on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Anne-Marie O'Dwyer, chatting all things the psychiatry of cancer. I want to say that it's very common to be very distressed, to have a very prominent psychological response to cancer, that they are not alone that lots of other people feel in that way and that it's important for them to have information. Information is power, but it has to be the right information. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk, the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligam, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti? Fis Turmi. Tashe Dukrecha Nach Vetok Ara Igornamyan on Kestin Echol. Vientalamaginom Griv Orkar Nrachtum. Yatakshetarin Griven Orkarstan Ilistuhalagiskimina Fracht Gorokligsar Dukashenecher. Nani Venaun Dardarakshin Ven Marav. Shachtan. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby Podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, the uh, Eructus Media Committee has uh, just gone into session. Bruce Springsteen concerts, €12,000. Client agency, golf outing, jackets, golf balls, €7,500. Phil Collins and Robbie Williams, Aviva Stadium, 50 tickets, €6,358. Nobody, nobody involved has either been held to account or been sanctioned. RTE is back in Leinster House this week for another grilling, courtesy of the Oireachtas Media Committee. How did you allow one man and his agent become bigger than RTE? car that was on loan for five years, do you know when that was returned? Yesterday. For the record, how much are you paid as, as Chief Finance Officer? <laughs> I think that's a private matter. It may begin to feel a lot like Groundhog Day for the national broadcaster, but there are still many tough questions that require answers. The big blockbuster issue here is Breed O'Keefe. The RTE senior management team have to sign off on any redundancy. That didn't happen here. So the question marks now are, well, why did that not happen? With golden handshakes, disputed redundancies and the nightmare of Toy Show the Musical all in the mix, RTE is still firmly in crisis mode. I respect and value our state broadcaster, but they cannot make monumental, commercial, bad decisions and then come in here time after time, treat us with contempt and then come to you and say, bail us out. I'm Tabitha Monaghan and today on the Indo-Daily I'm joined by Fionnán Sheehan, Ireland editor with the Irish Independent, to discuss the questions RTE must answer in Wednesday's Oireachtas Media Committee.
Fiona Norty are back in Leinster House this week. Another face-off with the Oireachtas Media Committee. What is on the agenda? So again, it's about officially the transparency of RTE's expenditure of public funds, governance issues and future funding challenges. But as we know, the the, the organisation is still in, in crisis, uh, currently being funded by a bailout from the government with the future of the licence fee still hanging in the balance and, uh, you know, record number of people not paying their, their TV licence. So... Since their last appearances, they had a spate of them last summer, then they were back again in October. And since then, we've had a couple of developments uh, that will be expected to be on the agenda for the Oireachtas Media Committee uh, this week. And there's a pattern developing here from the previous appearances where basically the the RT hierarchy basically had a strategy of, you know, um, what's happening with this? Oh, we've commissioned a report and the report will come back and tell us everything and at that point, so we can't really say a whole lot about it on, on, until then, when in fact it would appear that they, they knew an awful lot more than was divulged to the committees at, at that particular point in time, but that was the, the approach that was taken. We needed the full facts. Then secondly, you had, uh, you know, blame the person who isn't here. Uh, most notably, D. Forbes, the former Director General, that back in the, the days of the, the tribunals down in Dublin Castle, that was called the Dead Man Strategy, where there was always questions about payments and so on and so forth being put to to politicians and and people involved in business, and they always blamed somebody who wasn't there because they were deceased. D. Forbes is not deceased, but she's unavailable to appear uh, before the, these committees. So they've kind of run out of road uh, on on those two strategies at this base because what these reports that have come back have divulged is that people who are still at senior levels in RTE, both in the management and on the board, were culpable in some cases, uh, complicit in others and certainly aware of what was happening uh, in the background uh, when basically licence fee payers' money was was being frittered away. Pianon, today we did see some very interesting developments in which the former RT chair, Moya Doherty, she stated that in fact the RT board did sign off on the musical. Can you tell us a little bit more about what we learned? So Toy Show, the musical, we now know lost RTE 2.3 million. An investigation was carried out into how exactly this this played out and the corporate governance procedures associated with that. So the report into Toy Show the Musical, which was originally published in January, didn't tell us who was saying the things in it because everybody was anonymized. Numbers one to twenty six, so it was very difficult to make out well, who's saying that, and you, you were trying to figure things out. Today, now we, we get names, so we get the main protagonists, like Maya Doherty, like members of the board, like members of, of the executive, and a a big issue in relation to Toy Show the musical was was it signed off by the board or not, and the conclusion of the of the report was that it was never formally signed off, but we now know that Maya Doherty, who was chair of RTE at that time is quite insistent that it did come before the board. Uh, uh, the board members were involved in the decision-making process, that board members were were fully briefed and so on. And she says, basically, uh, it came before the board. Uh, nobody objected. Nobody had any problem with it. They all welcomed it. And basically, by consensus, uh, implicitly, the board did sign off 
on Toy Show the Musical. Now, other board members are differing. They're saying it was a fait accompli. It was just presented to them. It was all very informal. Meetings weren't weren't official. They weren't uh, presented to them on, as agenda items. They weren't given advance reading uh, to do on it and so on. Then there are other board members who were saying, yeah, look, it, it was knocking around the board and, and we welcomed it and nobody, we should have raised more questions and so on. So that's, the, the big uh, difference of opinion between the, the chair and members of her board at the time are did did this project actually uh, get formal board approval or not? And my authority says yes, absolutely, it it did, and it should have because of the expenditure on it was in excess of of two million. So my authority, obviously, very experienced uh, in in the the whole world of theatre production. She is one of the creators uh, of Riverdance, which started out with RTE as, as the Eurovision Inter- Interval Act and then went on to become a, a global uh, phenomenon. She was also involved in very from very early stages in the development uh, of Toy Show the Musical in her capacity as chair and she was proving very helpful to, to that process uh, every, every step uh, of the way. So th- that contradiction, I suppose, is the interesting thing that this the insertion of the names has thrown up. But is the crux of the issue whether it did or did not go formally to the board? Because the procedure was that it needed to be brought to the board for their approval, whereas as other members are saying, it came as a done deal. Now they had, as she is saying, ample opportunity to raise concerns and they didn't. Yeah, and the point we made in the uh, in the report as well is that by the time it came to the board, for whether you want to call it formal or informal approval, the contract had been signed with the Convention Centre in Dublin to host Toy Show the Musical as as the venue. So things had, had got along too far. There is a substantial meeting that took place uh, between members of the RTE management team, the members of the board and external consultants before such contracts were signed, before it went to the board. And at that meeting... Uh, there were presentations, there were discussions uh, about uh, Toy Show, the musical, what it was, how it was going to work, uh, and and so on. And everybody seems to have been generally welcoming of it at that point. And RTE board management took it from there that the project had been given the green light. And the point being made was there were five senior members of the uh, RTE board at that meeting, including Moya Doherty herself, the chair and vice chair of the Auditor and Risk Committee, who were, which is the financial watchdog uh, within within RTE and two other board members. So therefore, you know, if they didn't have any concerns, well then what, what was the issue here? Because if they had concerns, they could have brought it up at the board, they could have got the Auditor and Risk Committee involved, they never did so. How do you think this is going to go down now with the committee members, now that we know that Moya Doherty was the one who said there was no objections from the board? Do you think there's going to be a lot of patience? Yeah, well, the, the board have effectively admitted through their own statements and through minutes of their their meetings over the course uh, of the last 12 months when all, when all of this uh, blew up. They have admitted that they didn't adequately interrogate this matter, that there wasn't a risk assessment done. Now, some of them are, are claiming that, well, how were we supposed to risk assess something when we didn't even know we were given no information on it? The purpose of a board and associated committees is that you're an independent body. If you demand 
information be provided to you by the management of a company they are obliged to give it to you. Nobody here on the board is claiming that at any point they were thumping the table and saying I'm not signing off on anything here until I get I get the the, the full details. That doesn't that simply does not seem to be happening. So if anything, yeah, it'll be a, a, a curiosity to see what direction does the Oireachtas Committee go in? Does it basically say, Asher? Hand around the shoulder, poor board members have a cry there for not being given the information. Or will they turn around and say, hang on, this is your job? Was there at any point suggestion that RT should have pulled the plug when it became clear that they weren't going to get their money back? Yeah, so the, the, the interesting, other interesting name that emerges out of this is uh, Julian Erskine, who is described as a, an external consultant. But Julian Erskine is a very experienced producer on Riverlands. Again, back to the, the, the Moya Doherty connection. And he was brought in to advise uh, on on this on the development uh, of this musical project, given his, his vast experience. And he says, and he said it was quoted back to him on a number of times, so people did pick up on it, that he said at the very start, you have to understand in this business, that nine out of ten musicals don't make their money back. So that wasn't somebody hypothetically saying it. Uh, it wasn't somebody, you know, quoting some report they, they read or something like that. This was actually somebody with vast experience in the world uh, of theatre and musicals uh, basically saying nine out of ten of these uh, will flop. He then at a, at a later juncture, after the launch of Tai Show the Musical in the, the, the early summer of 2022, he points out that the sales ain't great. Tickets are not going very well, given the amount of promotion that RT has has put in behind it. And he basically says, is there is there any prospect of pulling the plug here on this? Now, he's not specifically saying, I think we need to pull the plug. He's saying, you know, what are, what are the options here if this doesn't go as well? And he's told back by Rory Coveney, who was then the RT Director of Strategy and the person who is basically said to be the point person uh, on Toy Show, the musical, that RT were locked in reputationally, financially, every which way. The costs were already committed. They were up and running. And I don't think it would have been tenable to have pulled it. And Moya Doherty uh, tells this uh, investigation as well that it would have been unprecedented to pull the plug uh, on a show like that. So it's quite clear that at early stages uh, of this of the ticket sales process, alarm bells were, were going off that the tickets weren't selling heavily enough considering the amount of tickets that they needed to sell to even break even here. Uh, but the view was, no, we need to plough on here. So does that add to the frustration maybe from the committee members that they weren't being given the full facts yeah, and now we have to do this again? They, they were basically told, well, you're going to have to wait for the full facts and we needed to establish all of the facts rather than, well, this is what we know so far, but we need to get the full uh, picture. Another example of that was in the the Ryan Tuberty saga. I mean, that that's what we dealt with uh, a long time ago now. There was an issue about, apart from Ryan Tuberty's Renault deal, the 75 grand there, there was another 120 grand floating around that nobody could explain. Well, how come... This was misstated. Uh, how come these figures weren't included in his officially published salary? And, and it did cast a substantial shadow uh, over Ryan Tuberty for an extensive uh, period of time at, at the, the height of Ryan all that. It became the Ryan Tuberty scandal. It became the Ryan Tuberty scandal. And, and his point was, look, this part had nothing to do with, with me. RTE's answer was, well, look, we've commissioned an, another investigation into this. That came out two months later. Now, you'll, you'll recall at the height of this last summer, there was basically a committee hearing every week for about three or four weeks. Ryan Tuberty had to wait two months 
for an official report to come back to say, look, he had nothing to do with this part of it here. It was nothing to do with him. Somebody in RTE decided to change figures uh, to not include uh, sums here that were already paid to him and therefore uh, incorrect figures were, were put out there. That's what came back from the official report. However, we then found out subsequently under the Freedom of Information Act that actually RTE, the RTE board knew this already because they'd done their own internal report initially when this whole issue was blowing up. And it said at that point in time, actually, Ryan Tubbery had nothing to do with this and we can't really explain why why this 120 grand was treated in the manner in which it was. So again, on that occasion, you're looking at that going, well, the Oireachtas Committee actually asked for that report at the time. They weren't given it. And question marks have been raised by the Fine Gael TD, Alan Dillon, about why didn't you just give us that report at that point in time, which would have shown that Ryan Tuberty was exonerated uh, on, on that issue that would have provided some form of explanation. And we had concerns in relation to the delays in the publication of documents. And at the minute, the reputation of RTE is on the ground. And we want to re- restore public confidence in the organisation. And yet RTE, despite saying, oh, we've provided the committee with hundreds of documents here, they couldn't provide them with a key one like that. What about D Forbes's place in this? You've mentioned already she hasn't appeared before any of these committees. She has cited medical reasons for that. Do you think any more light would be brought on any of these questions? That one, for example, if she did appear or are the reports doing that job? I don't Unquestionably, Dee Forbes would be able to shed more light on all these issues. She was, you know, the, the Director General, the Chief Executive uh, of the organisation. The last two reports that have come out into Toy Show the Musical and the, the issue of redundancies within RT have both said that Dee Forbes was un- unavailable to participate. That uh, Correspondents came back from her sister saying she's she's unwell. Uh, she issued a statement last summer, which was her effectively her final word uh, on all this, claiming that she had been treated badly by the board, which sought to sack her basically at that time. As soon as the the Tuberty payments issue came to light in that investigation, uh, and that there was a way in which people should be treated, and and this wasn't the way it should. And she said that this had taken its toll on her health and her her well being. So there was a reference there, basically to her mental health and she hasn't been available for either the Oireachtas committees or the other investigations that have taken place since then. When we were told that her resignation was tendered last Monday, you accepted the resignation. Why did you accept the resignation? Could you not have invoked clauses to ensure that the the key witness would be here to answer questions, would be that we could compel that person who would still be in situ to answer the questions that the people of the country deserve to hear the answers to? Yeah, perhaps, and she still has the option to come before the committee. So effectively, once D Forbes left RTE, the night before the Ryan Tuberty payments document dropped, coincidentally, her input uh, into everything that has happened since hasn't been there. So th- that's obviously Hamlet wrote the prince here. She's somebody that was that was key. At the very least, she could say, well, listen, I wasn't responsible for that, but this person over here was and they were reporting back to me uh, or this is why uh, these issues panned out. And also she could shed light, well, who, who else knew about 
about what was what was going on here. So it has been convenient to be able to, to blame D Forbes, but D Forbes isn't the only one you'd ha- you'd have to say who was aware of things that were going on. This also came to light in another issue that is likely to be up before the Rocks Committee, and that is the redundancy saga in RTE. Uh, Breed O'Keefe in relation to who made the final decision about the package she got? Who signed off on it? I didn't sign off on it, you know. Um. So we know now, 10 people who were given redundancy by RT shouldn't really have been because they didn't match up to the, the revenue criteria. So fine, if, if, if people want to leave an organisation and the employers want to give them a, a, a payment to leave or whatever and the case And make their positions be, redundant. Make their positions redundant. That's fine. That That's called a, a going away payment or, or whatever you want. In this case, RT said they were redundancies. They specifically applied uh, tax relief to those and now a report by McCann Fitzgerald has basically said that should not have been the case. They didn't meet the criteria because either the savings weren't made uh, or the roles were not made redundant. These people were just replaced uh, directly. So therefore, tax relief shouldn't have been applied. So that's gone to revenue commissioners now to determine if there is a tax bill. And RT have said, look, if a tax bill arrives, we'll, we'll pay for it. The big blockbuster issue here is Brito O'Keefe, the former chief financial officer, who inadvertently said at a... a, a a previous uh, committee meeting pointed out that that she had departed under a voluntary uh, severance package under a redundancy scheme. Is she number 11 though? So there was she, 10 yeah, but she, this 10 is number seven. 11. She's number 11. So since then there was a substantial who had subsequent Aractus committee meetings. There was then another report commissioned by Kevin Backhurst effectively on his first week in the job to look into the redundancy payments, all of them, uh, and also Miss o- O'Keefe's one included within that. And what we now know is that there was a long drawn out affair where basically Breed O'Keefe went to D Forbes all the way back in the, the summer of 2017 and said, I'd like to leave under a voluntary redundancy scheme. And D Forbes agreed to that a month later. And then uh, a month later, she told the RTE head of human resources, uh, Emer Cusack, that Brida, the chief financial officer, would be leaving under redundancy. And basically, it would appear from what we know now, Emer Cusack, the head of HR, said, well, where are we going to make the savings here? And D Forbes said, we'll make the savings, and that's that. And Breed O'Keefe's departure was delayed for quite some time because of, of things that were going on in RTE and she didn't leave for effectively two and a half years. She left in April 2020. But during that time period, uh, as as head of HR, Emer uh, Cusack gave a letter to Breed O'Keefe, as instructed by D. Forbes, to basically say, this is your offer of redundancy to depart. This is what, how much you'll be getting. Breed O'Keefe signs that, hands it back. That's now a legal document. But then... There was no saving because she was directly replaced. Uh, The role was advertised. And what's more, when she was leaving, the rest of the management of RTE were not told she was leaving under a redundancy scheme, nor did they sign off on it. It was agreed between um, the the then Director General and the then CFO. The then? So it was agreed between D Forbes and Breeder O'Keefe. So one of the criteria of that redundancy scheme was there was a specific rule. The RTE senior management team have to sign off uh, on any redundancy. That didn't happen here. So the question marks now are, well, why did that not happen? And how come if the head of HR knew about it, she didn't tell the rest of the management team uh, about this matter 
and therefore RTE have, have now ended up in, in this scenario. Ms. Cusack's response to that and the investigation was, well, it was up to Dee Forbes as the Director General to tell either the management team or the board that was, that was her duty and not uh, not hers. So but you well can question them. You can certainly question why exactly did you not feel an obligation to inform the rest of the management team? The issue now rising as well for Breed O'Keefe payments are, is there now a tax liability there? It'll be hugely embarrassing for RTE if they're basically sitting here in a month's time going, yeah, that redundancy that we gave to a senior executive without it being signed off on uh, by the senior management team because there was a, a golden handshake sweetheart deal in place, we're now going to have to pay a tax bill on it. There's a lot of questions around procedure here. Mm. Who are we expecting to be here at this committee? We're expecting members of, of the board, certainly the, the chair, Shuni Raleigh, and, and other members to be present. We're expecting Kevin Backers of, and, as the director general and other members of the senior management team. We're waiting to see, will figures from the past be there? There seems to be an extensive invitation out there. Very often, it, it doesn't serve things particularly well if you have so many people there that, that very few questions are getting people. So that's, that's up to the, the committee to, to organise uh, its business. But I mean, what, what we're expecting to be told is that, oh, look, all this stuff happened in the past and uh, the management and the board have learned from this and we'll make sure that it doesn't happen again and we've put proper procedures in place. And you know what? There's a Mazars report coming down the track from the minister that another will look at corp- another report, another two reports that will look at the finances and the corporate governance arrangements within RTE. That's all great. But at the same time, you will be looking at people across the table saying, yeah, we, lessons have been learned. This will never happen again. But you'll be looking at people going, but this happened on your watch. Some of the same, Some people, of the same are people are, are, still, are still in place, either on the board or at management level. And to, to paraphrase Roy Keane, this is your job. You know, th- this was their job to watch out uh, for these things and to ensure that they, they didn't happen. But there's a lot of questions about the future of RTE and what is public sector broadcasting, you know, and then you bring the Toy Show, the musical back up again, which was very much a commercial venture. Kevin Backhurst is at the helm trying to bring RTE into the future and out of this controversy. How do you think he's been doing? Yeah, he's got off to a solid start, I suppose, in that RTE were very much adrift and, and he came in, he commissioned a, a, a number of reports, uh, did some restructuring and then he, he put together what was you know a 40 page document that that got 40 million for RTE in terms of, of a, a bailout at, at that particular point in time uh, which didn't have a whole lot of detail in it but we're told that there'll be substantial uh, redundancies obviously in RTE and, and there'll be uh, restructuring that the campus won't be sold but they're going to look at other bits of, of land and see what what can be done uh, there so RTE are, are, are still kind of treading water insofar as we don't have the, the reports back uh, from government uh, about its future structure in terms of its finances and its, its corporate governance. And we also don't know what's happening with the, the TV licence fee. At the moment, we know it's it's still hemorrhaging money because you still have around about 15% more people than bought, than bought the TV licence last year, now not buying it. Uh, so basically, you know, Three out of 20 people who bought a TV license last year, uh, in January of last year, didn't buy it this year. And we know that RTE were down about 20% uh, on license fee revenue in the second half of last year. So all of these sagas continue to to bleed the organisation on a daily basis. And my thanks to Fionn Sheehan. 
I'm Tabitha Monaghan and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Ian Doyle, researched by Dave Hanratty and Keen O'Brien, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from RTE News, RTE Morning Ireland, Virgin Media News, Oroctus TV and The Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. 087-6797-104.